Craig Min. Oh my god, Craig, welcome back from holidays, mate. Craig, so, it's good, good to, to see you. Hear you, you um, even. We're back from our uh, <gasps> hiatus. Well, it's been a hiatus. It's been a time. <laughs> we effectively just ran out of things to talk about, and then we're just like, we'll just wait till we remember something. And it's been, it's been a while. It's been months. <laughs> Shit's happened. I, I, yeah, it has indeed. Um, and now we have stuff to talk about. Season three begins now. It does indeed. And as you may have noticed, our keen-eared viewers, um, I haven't done a different language because that was, you know, season two material. Yeah. And um, yeah. I did like four <laughs> four languages. You like you did every language you could think of, then you're like, mm, that's enough. That's enough language. <laughs> we have enough. Uh, well, really it kind of ended because, you know, the lost episode, the infamous lost episode. The lost episode. Um, I did in Russian and then I don't think I actually mm. pronounced it in any yeah, the, possible uh, fashion. So. Look, the lost episode is will remain lost. It's not a good one. <laughs> this is oh, when we realised we needed Some of my best material, Jordan. <laughs> mm, I'm, I'm not sure about that. I think, I don't know. I sounded like comatose. I sounded uh, monotone through the whole thing. It just, you know, maybe one day it will be released. Mm. But uh, no, season so. three. <laughs> starts now. That's a, uh, a a Patreon only episode. <laughs> yeah, please make sure you, you like you stay tuned um, for the the Patreon slash OnlyFans that we will set up. <laughs> <laughs> OnlyFans, fuck, that's so good. Oh, but yeah, no, we've we've had a time. I've um, we had a time. I've gotten engaged. I've bought a you house. Did. You did. Um, you know, Victoria turned to shit. We've got. We had a Black Lives Matter movement. Oh, it's all happened. Yeah, yeah. You really a lot of stuff happened to you. I um, um, I uh, you left the house. Like, I did leave the house twice. a couple of times. I um, I got back into painting Warhammer. Yeah, um, you did. I did. I did. Um. But yeah, nothing so like equal to like getting engaged and, and buying a house. Um, I would think so. Those Warhammer figurines are very small, Jordan. So yeah, and they're also very expensive. So like, you need to take out a loan to, to buy a... to get <laughs> good ones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so yeah, you need to go through the whole pr- approval process. Oh, that's yeah. incredible. <laughs> so tell me, tell what? Tell me and tell the the listeners. I always called them mm. the viewers, the listeners. Uh, oh, Simbuki, by the way, Simbuki. We'll we'll bring that over. Right? <laughs> that's, that's not. Just, yeah, yeah. We have to bring that over. <laughs> well, that's just because it's still my username, and I just saw it and remembered. Tell us about um the tell us about the journey of buying a house, Anthony. The and, journey uh, what of buying a house, indeed. Well, what I have learnt is that uh, banks take a long time to approve things. They Thanks. do. That is learning numero uno. Um, the second learning is that uh, banks cost banks cost no houses cost a lot of money. Houses cost bank. Houses indeed cost bank. Yes. Um, and uh, thirdly, and and most importantly. Um, Land is hard to find. You know, it is, while it surrounds us, um, being able to uh, acquire one of those pieces of land is, is particularly difficult. Interesting. Um, so those are, those are the three lessons that I have um, had to learn very quickly over the past few months. Um, but it's all kind of come together and nice. uh, about to... We've got a land, a land. Got a singular um, <laughs> <got> land. <laughs> it's a, um, oh, what is it? It's probably a sheep tile, I reckon. Uh, okay. <laughs> potentially. Um, <laughs> Everything just potentially has to come wood. To <laughs> <laughs> um, and we have a, a building plan. Um, and that's and that's the extent of it. 
but it is it is happening, which is which is rather exciting. So, like, this is interesting because this is a weird time to like obviously get involved in like property because mm. you and your partner have been renting for a, a while now, mm-hmm. um, and like then like now there's fucking everything that's happening in 2020 and i have no idea Mm. really like if it's a good or bad time to kind of get involved with Mm -hmm. land or lands or plural however many um and building plans um so like was was like is it just something you guys felt like you needed to do or is it just something you were just like oh this is the time this is the perfect time to get on there um well we'd been like considering it for a while um the kind of 25,000 government grant that apparently like only 250 have actually gone yeah, through right. and been approved yeah um, <laughs> so so whatever happens with that um I don't think anybody actually knows but um so we'd been thinking about it for a while and I guess that extra potential boost kind of pushed us over the edge into actually committing to it but it wasn't like why we did it kind of thing like it's why we did it at this point in time rather than why we went through the process yeah um, right. and is more of a kind of bonus on top of this is something that we really want to have moving forward yeah. um rather than a oh we have to get something because this kind of bonus has, has come through. So something that we'd been thinking about for a while and just a kind of generally good idea slash reason for using our money. Um, and also the fact that obviously we can't go traveling now because mm. Mm. That's, that's a thing, <laughs> which is what we were originally going to do. So I guess the alternative to traveling is doing the exact opposite and establishing yourself permanently in one specific location. This is, um, yeah. No, so that's what we yeah. did. <laughs> sounds like a, it sounds like a good place. Now, you're a lawyer. How much of the land do you actually own? Like, is it just like the top bit? Is it just like, how deep does it go? Does it go like, do you oh, own pretty much all the land to the earth's core? No, so there's there's a certain there's a certain depth and there's a certain height that you oh. own uh, as part of your land title, but I can't now off the top of my head recall what that is. Um, further to that though, there's a, a bunch of other like I think restrictions slash exceptions where minerals under the land are owned by the state, but you right. still own. So you own some of the underground, but if you find like valuable minerals that I think that's owned by the state for whatever reason. Right. So this makes sense. But, Cause so this is like all the farmers out in Queensland, all these companies coming in for natural gas, they need to rent mm. like the land or buy the land from the farmer, but they don't buy the, the natural gas under the ground or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Cause you need like um, basically to mine, you need a lease that allows you to mine, and the lease is effectively like renting. So basically, the only way that you can mine is by getting a lease from the government. So government kind of has the approval power for whether you're able to mine or not. Yeah, okay. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. But the so, cool, I think yeah. the cooler part about that is owning a bit of airspace above you, which is kind of very interesting. Is, like, not high enough to be relevant, but... Let's. All right, I'm googling right now. How much airspace do I own? Uh, how much property do you own? Here you go. Domain.com.au. Not a sponsor, um, <laughs> but happy to be a sponsor if you are listening. Shout out. <laughs> no, no shout outs. I remembered from last season. I don't. <laughs> I don't do these anymore. Oh, here we go. Okay. Um. Laws vary from state to state, but typically, if you or your great-grandfather bought your property before 1891, then you often own all the way down to the centre of the earth. But Crown Land grants issued after 19, 1891 excuse me, 1891, are typically mm. limited to 15.24 metres below the surface. That's interesting. Mm. 
How much yeah. is Sky? Well, that's, that's the question that I care about. But the thing is that before, before whatever year it was, um, with the development of the Torrens title, which effectively means that, like, you own land if you have the certificate to the land. I imagine that that might have changed things and how how they work. Because beforehand, if there was some, there was, like, lineage stuff involved. Um, So, like, even if you didn't have the certificate that said you own the land, then you could still, if you could, I think, prove that, like, an ancestor or whatever owned it, then that would be, that would be fine. But now they kind of, like, restarted it. And how do you prove it so you, like, own airspace? It's part of your your title. So on your certificate of title, it'll give you the area of the block, and then part of that area of the block is some however many metres of airspace above it. So you basically own, like, a rectangular prism or cube or whatever where um, you've got the actual boundary of the land and then you own above and below that within those boundaries. Right, okay. Interesting. Uh, hmm. I'm still looking. This, this is interesting. No, that's it's, it's just a question. How far above and below my land is legal to mine? <laughs> <laughs> from user, Who's mining above their land? <laughs> from user Mole Man. Um, shout out. <laughs> you can't shout out, but That's I'm the best thing. You. Yeah, you've taken on the responsibility. You can't restrict but there's... commercial air plus aircraft flying over your house as the sky is considered yeah. a public highway. Interesting. Mm. What about drones, though? Yeah, I think that's where it's a bit more relevant because there's, I think there's, I'm pretty sure there's case law about like if you own. If you own land, right, and next door someone builds something excessively high that blocks light. Right. So, like, if, if a house – so if you've got your house and then the house next to you stops, like, any sun coming into your backyard, I'm right. relatively sure that there is some case law saying that that's not okay because you own some amount of airspace and effectively the other house is blocking it because it's too tall. Right, right, interesting. Okay. So there's some, I'm pretty sure there's something there. Okay, all right, interesting. Hmm. So you own, you own some airspace and some, like, dirt, minerals. God, let's hope you, like, yeah. find, like, oil. Well, I guess the, it does <laughs> seem like the government no. owns the natural resources. yeah. And then the fucking US are going to come to my house <laughs> and try to take it, and we can't have that. The CIA just kicks in your door. <laughs> Simona starfishing outside, oh. unaware, listening to music. You're defying <laughs> and then <laughs> get on the ground. <laughs> uh, so hopefully there isn't any oil for, for simply that purpose. Yeah, um, let's, let's hope. Yeah, there might be some, um, some like brunite or adamantite or something. That would be ideal. They um, well, yeah, good good reference. But also flashback flashback to a previous episode. Where would they put mm. all this oil? Obviously, they ran out of space. Yeah, yeah. Did we ever? I don't think I remember following up or the final outcome oh, yeah. of that. Did we ever like actually resolve that issue? Like, I think did Russia we? And Saudi Arabia made a deal. Yeah, uh, they sorted so. it. They sorted it because, well, mm. they had no choice. Like, what are you going to do with all this? Well, but didn't it go negative for a while or something? Who knows? Oh yeah. Speaking of sorting it out, though, um, opposition leader in Russia, am I right? Oh, yes. Uh, Alexei Navalny. He, he sorted himself. Got uh, terribly ill from um, <laughs> tea. Yeah, really bad. Really dodgy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So it's just such an eventful country, Russia. It is. It's a. It's a great. I love Russia. What an interesting country. Mm. I'm so glad it exists because it's just always interesting. Mm. It's always interesting headlines. And while like I often, you know, you hear random stuff come out of North Korea that's so far fetched that it's like, oh, this is probably just like made up for clicks or or whatever. Mm. But with Russia, you're sort of a bit like 
it's not as far-fetched as like north korea stuff it's a little bit more realistic but then it's also a little bit like <laughs> i could see it happening i could see putin poisoning a guy oh um, for sure well there was i swear there was was it a scientist or someone someone who had been like radiated in in russia for a period of time i can't remember if they were like what their relationship was with anything but i'm pretty like it's happened before in russia where they've attempted to oh yeah assassinate like other political (laughs) putin loves a good poisoning Um, he does (laughs) all right so i have thoughts so this guy that just got poisoned alexei navalny allegedly poisoned let's allegedly poisoned actually yes um (laughs) oh god the the cia are going to kick in your door and the fsb is going to kick in mine (laughs) putin's just going to walk in and like choke hold me down till i pass out um or or, like forcibly make me take allegedly allegedly forcibly make me take alleged poison um yes so this 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 opposition leader um is a really weird dude you don't really hear about it too much, him too much in the West. He's just sort of seen as like the guy going up against Putin. And then people are like, oh, yeah, he's the guy going up against Putin. He's often seen as like a very um, anti corruption guy. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, corruption in Russia is a massive issue. Um, mm. Putin has really high support because he is sort of seen as, you know, he's sort of seen as above the corruption. Um, but everyone in Putin's government is seen as corrupt assholes. Everyone hates it. Like the Russian people like if you just went out to some random village they'd be like yeah the fucking russian government are corrupt as hell like they suck mm. and they'd be like oh what do you think of putin they'd be like i love putin he just needs to find out about the corruption and he'll take care of it so it's really interesting mm. so this, this navalny guy in the west is seen as kind of like this this democratic anti-corruption guy but in russia he is gonzo he is really weird and as like par for the course of russia like this dude i swear I really would not be surprised if it came out that this guy turned out to be a bit of a controlled opposition because he says so much crazy shit to make Putin look normal. Mm, interesting. And, and almost to delegitimize like so much anti-corruption campaigns and, and kind of pro-Western sentiment in Russia. I would not be surprised if it came out that, oh, like Navalny's been on Putin's payroll this whole time. Because this guy, mm. one thing I do remember very much, like this guy is very very hardcore anti-muslim he he often mm. he, i remember back in like 2000 and something he was, was like muslims are cockroaches we should like shoot them all and stuff like that russia has a really large muslim population um right. and so that is not a good good look and putin's like oh you know like russian muslims are still russians you know that they, they still like belong here in in the in yeah, russia yeah. so he builds his support off that um and because he's already such like a, a hardcore like nationalist Putin, he's not really mm. pissing off like the nationalist anti-Muslim people because they're like, oh, you know, but he still, you know, annexed the the Crimea and stuff like that. So it's really interesting. And so when I found out this guy got poisoned, I was just like, what what is going on here? Like, it's in Putin's benefit, sort of, to keep him around. Now, obviously, they've been in massive protests in Russia relatively recently. There's a lot of stuff going mm. on in Belarus. Yes, yes, but, very um, much so. Yeah, it's just a wild time. It's so interesting. Like, if you if it comes out that, like, oh, this Navalny guy poisoned himself as, like, a weird act of defiance, I would 100% believe it. Just wow. if he's, like, that kind of guy. Um, oh, but, yeah. but you're right. It is such a – just such a weird – because there was a period of time when what perception-wise was that Putin was stepping back into his, like – Mm-hmm. what was effectively a more superior role and letting whoever the prime minister whatever at the time to just rule, but obviously was basically a puppet of Putin's. Yeah, what's the name and of And then he just came back in. So from that perspective, yeah, it wouldn't, you're absolutely right. It wouldn't surprise me at all <laughs> if, um, um, if Putin's fingers are in both pies, so to speak. Well, the thing is, like, Russia is, like, the... I honestly believe that in like a hundred years' time, you know, some of the great politicians and statesmen of like the twenty-first century, Putin will be up there. Mm. But I don't think any American will be. I don't think Obama or Trump or whoever will be listed there as much as Putin has, because Putin mm. just single-handedly, effectively, radically changed the geopolitical outcome of not just Europe, 
not even just the Middle East, but the whole world. So mm-hmm. making Russia mm-hmm. into not like don't be wrong, the Russian economy is not great. It's like smaller than Italy. It's it's terrible, but it was way way worse. Um, but most importantly, making Russia a a power that's able to exert influence, however kind of haphazardly, in mm. other states, which is something yeah, that's yeah. really 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 difficult to do. So like Australia would never be able to do that. Somewhere like Japan wouldn't really be able to do that. Germany would be really ineffective at doing that. You know, big players. Um, mm. But you know, he put Russia back on the same level as somewhere like the United States, the UK, France, um, and I suppose China. I guess all all these UN security, mm. like he made it worth keeping them on the Security Council. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, just... Putin didn't have to go this way. So uh, when the Soviet Union collapsed, obviously had Boris Yeltsin, and for a while there, it even seemed like there was like big pro-Western sentiment in the Russian government. It seemed like, oh, Russia might even join NATO. Now it didn't go that way, but um, yeah. Um, but effectively, the deal was with the Russians is like, we aren't going to expand NATO eastwards. So we're not going to take Poland or the old Soviet states into NATO um, mm. or, or the EU. The EU is like obviously a bit of a different beast to NATO. Um, and that would be something that I'm, the Russians and Putin would probably be able to like deal with, like the Ukraine joining the EU. Mm. But the Ukraine joining NATO... Belarus joining NATO, the Baltic states, Poland joining NATO, these are things that the Russians, from a geostrategic perspective, can ever accept. They can never mm. accept that there are American troops right on the border of Russia with missiles pointed. Oh, right yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, effectively, the West, and by the West, I mean the Americans, have backed Putin into a corner. He has mm. no choice but to be hardcore anti-American. He has to be, you know, one of the key players in this sort of anti-American mm. axis in the world, which is pretty much just at this point Russia, China, and Iran, and maybe like Venezuela, mm. but that doesn't really count. Um, so yeah, mm. it's super interesting time. And so what's happening in Belarus, kind of big, big kind of protests. Um, yeah, yeah. Super interesting because Belarus is one of the last holdouts of very kind of pro-Putin sentiment outside of, outside of Russia in Europe. Right, right. Um, so very interesting. Russia, Russia has lots of support in Central Asia, Kazakhstan, Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, mm. stuff like that. But in Europe, weakened a lot, mostly because living standards in the EU are so high and it's yeah. possible for these states to join in as well as they get a huge amount of aid. Um, but yeah. Oh, Serbia has actually quite high Putin. Um, <laughs> mm. uh, like not surprising. That doesn't surprise me at all. But uh, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. So Lukashenko... He's the guy in charge of Belarus. He's been around for a while. He's been around since the 90s. Mm. Um, and when he kind of got power, was elected in 1994, he kind of ran on a platform of just like stopping this kind of rampant disaster capitalism that was sweeping through the country. And so mm. he kept... Mm-hmm. So like if you go to Belarus, it feels like you're in the Soviet Union. Everything's state-owned. There's quite strong workers' rights in terms of like it's impossible to fire a worker really. A um, mm. whole range of things, but like the world has sort of moved on past that. And now Belarus looks around and goes, oh, okay, well, how do we move forward? Um, and I think that this is sort of that that new generation of Belarusians going, are we European or are we kind of Soviet still? Yeah. And it's an identity crisis. Um, and I think, you know, there's Lukashenko still has some quite passionate supporters across generations. Um, mm. But I think, you know, these are quite large scale protests. And I think whatever happens, change will have to come in some form because it can't stay. And like Lukashenko is also a fucking crazy dude. Like all of these strong men are just weird, but Lukashenko is very weird. Like it's just yeah. Oh, but I mean, if he's been in power since 1994, that's such a long time. Like it is a really long time. But then again, like John Howard was in power for ages and. Um, oh, he was only like thirteen years or something, Johnny Howard. True, but what about uh, what about Menzies? How long was Menzies in power for? Oh, like a lot, but that was over like two different periods as well. I don't; they weren't consecutive. I don't think. Yeah, but yeah, no. It's just he just has pop, mm. like he has popular support within oh, a whole yeah, range absolutely. of groups in society. Like this mm. is the thing we you know. We often think, oh, you know, a dictator just rules like all the people are oppressed but honestly you can't in like the modern day 
you cannot function if you don't have some popular support in some way. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah very true. So yeah, very it's, true. Uh, interesting mm. times in, in Eastern Europe is such a critical critical place because it's all about energy pipelines going through to Germany and can the EU break their alliance on the Americans or rely on the Russians or, or whatever. So yeah. yeah. It's just incredible that it's all kind of come to the fore now. Oh, it's where so many things yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. But so so many things just seem to be brewing under the surface kind of permanently and then it's just taken that one little push to Make no, it turn it into a, a movement. But, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, think like, um, yeah, like Belarus is one of those countries I feel that has, I don't know, there's countries in history that just seem to get picked on. Belarus is one of them. They got really badly mm. affected by both the First and then the Second World War. I think 25% of the population was killed in the Second World War in Belarus. Yeah, wow. Um, but that's a good segue into talking about another country that has been shit on maybe more than any other in the last 100 years, Lebanon. Indeed. So Lebanon, obviously, at the beginning of the year, was having huge protests, anti-corruption protests, and then the the Mm -hmm. economy just started collapsing because the Lebanese central bank is terrible. There's a whole range of issues while Lebanon is almost a failed state because it's effectively a remittance economy. They don't buy anything. They just import shit in from money that they've imported. Yeah, 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 Um, yeah. And brilliant, the, brilliant. The polit- yeah, well, the politics is so divisive because they had a big civil war and it ended in, started in the 70s, ended in the 90s, and they're just like, okay, we have to power share before all the different religious groups. Hmm. Effectively be between, like, Christians, Sunni, and Shia. Um, yeah, and then it's sort of a, a deadlocked government, so it's really difficult to get things kind of moving. Um, and then, obviously, the other day, the huge explosion in the port of Beirut, which... Mm. Gosh, have you have you seen footage of it? Yes, no, I have. It, it's unbelievable. One of the interesting things, though, was that there's a um, an image of like the one building that was left standing that was apparently a Czech building, and then a similar photo in was it Hiroshima or Nagasaki was <laughs> the one building left standing was also right. a Czech building, which is quite. But yeah, no, the, the scale of it is just insane. Like it's, it's just a hole now. It looks like, like actually seeing, I've watched so many just like um, videos on Twitter of just people filming it on their phone mm. and just, you see the shockwave just wipe through everything. And it's just a huge explosion. It's what I imagine like a nuclear bomb going off must be like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously without that heat, but just, you know, damn, it's huge. Um, yeah, the scale yeah. is just crazy. But it was, it was because what they were storing there. Yeah, I think it was ammonium nitrate for... Um, Fertilizer. Fertilizer. That's why yeah, yeah. Like a really red explosion. Mm. Uh, but it had been sitting there since like 2016 and just like a warehouse, this stuff, because the, like I said, the economy is so terrible and the cor- corruption so high that it just hadn't been mm. able to move. And there were just no proper security, um, not security, what do you call it? Safety features. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, damn. Yeah. That, was, that was very intense. Just another thing to add to the list of. Uh... 2020 things. Yeah, Lebanon just exploded. Um, mm. Beirut is the main port in Lebanon, right? And so, like mm. I was saying before, it's a remittance economy. Money gets sent in and then they import things. They don't really make anything in Lebanon. Um, mm. But then this huge explosion has destroyed all of the imports that were really critical for the Lebanese economy. Um, so, like, yeah. Lebanon is really fucked. Mm. That's such a that's such a weird kind of conceptual economy, though. I mean, you know, not that Australia makes anything, but yeah, to to import the money that you use to import the products that you use is then well, what what are you doing? Like, yeah, just, <laughs> there's just no sustainability there, surely. Well, Lebanon doesn't really have natural resources, and I guess it never developed mm. to a manufacturing economy, and it's also always been really reliant on Syria as its kind of big yeah neighbor. yeah. But obviously, Syria has been going through uh, a little, a little thing. You might have heard of it called the Syrian Civil War. Um, <laughs> might, have, might have heard a little bit about it. That that just wrecked the Lebanese economy. Um, mm. So you have about a million Syrian refugees in Lebanon, as well as the fact that Lebanon already holds a huge amount of Palestinian refugees. Um, yeah. 
who are by by law in um, in Lebanon not able to own land or work, so they just sort of sit there because Lebanese right. don't want the Palestinians coming in and taking their jobs. Mm. Um, as well as the fact that you know, like every two days, Israel like flies over the country and still occupies a bunch of the south. Um, mm. And then there's like paramilitary groups, kind of you know Hezbollah being the most famous of them. Um, who are very powerful and have widespread popular support in the South, um, but can effectively do whatever the fuck they want. They're above the state. Mm. Um, the state, no, the, the, the state relies on them. It's not the other way around. So it's, um, it's a country that I think, I don't know, I'm really sad for Lebanon because it's, it's also beautiful. Mm. Um, but also, like, I don't know, I feel like they just need to have a clean slate and start again, you know, like restart. Mm. Yeah, yeah, they just um, bankrupt the country and start again. Just new game, just like new game. Yeah, yeah, start again. New <laughs> um, quit this sieve save, and then we'll <laughs> in more. Uh, yeah, exactly. another. Um, yeah, just ah, oh, fuck! I accidentally did the Beirut explosion event the wrong way. <laughs> um, oh, I lost all my sheep. Um, in more oh. happy news. Anthony, hmm. you got engaged over the break. I did. What a, did what I, a segue. I can't remember um, about it, but I know. <laughs> yeah, no, that was now uh, two months ago. So right. June long weekend, which was very Jeez, that feels so very nice. That feels like it was It weird. does. It feels like an absolute age. Well, because the thing is, though, we, we did that, then, like, planned the wedding for a week and then COVID got a bit more serious and we realised we weren't going overseas um, and then went the house route. So, yeah, it was a bit of a, like, it happened. We wanted to plan stuff, couldn't plan stuff, and then Mm. it just kind of been forgotten to time. So what have you learned from being engaged? Does it feel different? Um. Well, I'm a lot more fearful of um, of driving because the sparkles <laughs> on the ring are, uh, <laughs> are both distracting and blinding. Um, oh, but other than that, no, no difference. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. Well, um, like you, you would have seen it enough. Just like every time I like, you know, see your partner just flashing the ring in front of me. And oh just, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It it's a very nice. Yeah, one. the old uh, subtle, um, you know, finger in front of the face at all times. Okay, okay. but it's so it's weird. Okay. Like, fiance is just a bit of a weird word to say. I'd like finally gotten used to partner, and yeah. I was like, that's you know, it's not the best word ever, but it's it's formal enough, and people, you know, mm. it's not like girlfriend. It's that's yeah. You know, when does bit, girlfriend bit turn casual? Into I don't know. That's a great question. Because interestingly, so someone, I, I originally thought that it was an age thing where you're like, you know, if you're up, up until you're kind of teens, early 20s, like no one's calling anyone partner. Yeah, right. Um, and then I thought it was like duration of time mm. you're in the relationship where it's like, you know, if you've been together for more than, I don't know, two or three years, then you make that transition kind of officially. But... I don't know, like neither of those really apply to me. I just, yeah, I just felt that girlfriend was a bit too too casual. It is quite a casual. It's such a serious uh, relationship. Sorry, Simona's <laughs> in the room now and I've just, I just looked at oh, her right. when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Like I feel like it's, partner does seem more, because a girlfriend is like, she's a girl, that's your friend, I suppose, that mm. you that you do certain stuff with that you might not do with your other friends. Um, yes. But partner is, is very much like, oh, you know, this is like the person I kind of share my life with, which is, which mm. is nice. Also, like, fuck, that's a lot. Um, yeah, it is, it is a significant portion of, of life that you spend together. Yeah. Um, and then fiance is, is like nice. And then you're going to have, you're going to become like a wife guy. You're going to be able to go like, mm. And like it actually means something. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, I feel like out of all of the terms, I'm most comfortable with wife because it's the fewest syllables. 
Mm, Whereas all the other ones are just like, I guess, I guess I always felt, I always felt the girlfriend was too long a term. Fiance has, you know, the fucking E with the accent and no one, no one likes that. (laughs) No, no. So I just settled on partner until I could get to wife. Because that's just, that's the easiest to say. I really respect that. Mm. It's it's purely linguistic, Jordan Meyer. (laughs) How I refer to people that I know. This is why you were just like, okay, this is why I have to propose because I'm getting sick of yeah. I have to deal with fiancé for a while, but then I can get to wife and I'll be... Finally. <laughs> Finally. Um, yeah, all right. So you're, you know, you're a bit of a, a whiz at proposing. You've, you've done it once. Mm. And, uh, I have. I call myself a professional. A professional, professional proposer. Yeah. Mm. Like, yeah. So when... So, okay. So for our listeners out there, what are some, some mm. tips and slash or tricks you know excellent that so you could... the biggest yeah the biggest and most important tip that i can provide is delegate slash outsource all the romantic work um okay <laughs> that's that's a combination of both impressive for the uh, person on the receiving end and also uh, less onerous on you on the giving end um, i respect that in getting involved and that's the approach that I took, and I thought that it was highly successful. It, it seemed highly successful. She seemed happy. Um, Indeed. And you seemed relieved, uh, mm. which is the most important thing. Um, but, yeah, it's good times. But, um, no, it's good. Like, the, prob- the, hardest, the hardest part out of the whole process is the lead-up of about five minutes until you actually take the ring out and ask the question. Like the okay. question itself isn't isn't hard at all, but that kind of weird five minutes of you kind of both know what's going to happen very soon, but you don't want to just like make you know do it within seconds kind of thing. You want to yeah. there needs to be a build up, but the content of that build up is is a bit unclear. No, yeah, the build up is the build up is nice, but I know what you mean. Like there must be a, a point there, like. 10 seconds or like even when you wake up in the morning like you wake up and your first thought is oh i'm doing this today mm, mm. yeah very true because it's just kind of like how, how do you how do you get to that point that's the same with a lot of things in life just generally but like you know the end result it's like a fucking movie in the movies they show you the end result but they show none of the how they get to that point kind of thing yeah right or like all the interim bits and pieces of, um, you know, in an action movie, the night before they go and like do a job or something. Like they don't yeah. show you any of that crap, and that's the bit that's the hardest. IRL. So they don't show you like the nervous poo before, you know. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But no, it all it all went uh, went well, which was very nice. Um, but yeah, so tips and in summary, uh, tips and tricks, delegate slash outsource, and um, I don't know, maybe prepare some cue cards for the two minutes before actually asking. That would be that would be by my advice. Okay, that's very good advice. That's good advice. I'm taking notes. Um, Excellent. <laughs> oh, interesting. Wow. So, like, it also kind of happened, like, so quick in just, like, two months your life sort of has. Mm. And it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. For for, for fans of Anthony who have followed him from the beginning, um, (laughs) you know, from the the earliest days pre-podcast, you would have known he's done quite a lot of personal development over the last two years. Mm, Um, It's very true. Yeah. But now I feel like you're, like, now you've, you've everything sort of done. Mm. And you can sort of just like lay back. Finally get back to gaming, Jordan. Honestly, it's all, I just need to get all this shit out of the way. And then I can find, <laughs> well, like, finally get back to my true calling. Well, I knew you were re- had been really busy recently when you were just like, oh, I, I didn't re-up my bond for RuneScape. I just don't have the time to do it at the moment. Mm. And I was just, that, was a, that was a depressing statement to make, I must say. That must have been a sad day, the day you realised. <laughs> Indeed. The day before the bond runs out and you're like, I have to get it. <laughs> Juice out of it if I can, and then just the next day, and it's uh, like, oh, it's it gone. Hundred percent. It's rough, but you know, 
once this is all done, I'll be I'll be back on board, and it's going to be incredible. It's going to be the most degenerate two weeks of my life. Oh, Looking hell, forward to it. <laughs> hell yes. But like, how much time do you get off at? Do you get time off at the end of the year? Is it what four weeks or something? Uh, no, I don't get time off at the end of the year. But I recently uh, saw my accumulation of uh, annual leave, and that's at about almost a hundred hours, which is probably two weeks. Ooh, which wait, is, huh? You know, perfect amount of time. Oh right, it's a hundred hours. Of, it's not. It's not right. Right. I was thinking. Yeah, because like, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. You know, law, law does, you know, go overtime occasionally, but it is not quite 24 hours a day. I like the idea that when you're <laughs> sleeping, it's like ticking down. It's like you're not working, you're on vacation. Um, yeah. Can you imagine? Oh, um, dear. Well, if you're not going away, then you can save it up or something like that. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's kind of what's happening, but... Oh, I'm looking forward to those two weeks. I'll tell you that much. That will be a good two weeks. Hopefully, Simona goes away somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Like, hopefully, she like goes up to like, well, wherever she <laughs> to <goes>. Queensland, <laughs> begging that they don't close the border to Queensland, so she can leave and you can game for two weeks straight. <laughs> oh my god. Because oh. Oh, we I actually do remember the last time she went away, and it was just you there for like three days. Um, That's all I did. Yeah, we didn't. I, I came yeah. over and hung out, and we just, I just, like, just <laughs> oh, that was so uh, good time. Well, the thing, the funny, the funniest thing about that whole situation was that I, I'd, I'd seriously considered taking annual leave <laughs> over that long weekend. Really? Oh my god, that would have been that would have been amazing. Oh, the thoughts certainly crossed my mind, but she would, so she would kill you. She that was not so happy. funny. Oh dear. Oh. But yeah, no, it's been um, it's been a whirlwind, but it's good to have things sorted out. Yeah, it's no, just for sure. reaching that point. Yeah, no, absolutely. Mm. Um, I need to figure but how out. How about yourself? You are best um, man does and all of that. Yeah, indeed. I'm not really even sure what a best man does. People tell me it's to make sure that you don't run away. Um, right. I feel like I can do that. I feel like I'm faster than you. I could catch you. Potentially. Well, you're much more well-built than I am, Jordan. So I was gonna just say, need I to put like... me on like a time up yeah. to a post or something and then i got no chance. I could definitely just like hold you down quite well that you don't run away. <laughs> like, I'd be worried I would break you or something. Maybe that's what I need to do, just like, like break into <laughs> snap those legs mob style and then wheel you up there. <laughs> Simona's like, oh my God, he looks, he's crying. He's crying. He's so excited to see me. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah. Don't look at his legs. <laughs> oh, just being carried by uh, multiple people to get down the aisle. Yeah. Well, that might be nice. It's like, um, it's like that meme of the Ghanaian funeral dancers, you know, the brand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Does that take that? Uh, you, know, you know, what's the you're getting married? What are the the very cringe boomer jokes being like? Oh, dead man walking, and then you just sort of just oh, been those like classics, yeah, class, classic jokes where it's mm. like very very sad men. Um, indeed, indeed. But yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I I don't know what a best man does either. They do the speech and they organise like the Bucks night. Hmm. But we already but decided we're that, handing that off the Bucks night off to another much Indeed. more wild friend. <laughs> so that's hey, that's so, another so, of my book. So effectively, what you're saying, Jordan, is that you've you've delegated that responsibility and you've outsourced it to someone have, else. Well, it's more like um, I just took your lead with the proposal, and I think I'm just going to have mm. someone else plan the whole thing. Genius, clever, absolutely genius. Takes a lot of the pressure off. Yeah. Because uh, I know you'll be so stressed with all of the wedding planning that you will be doing. Um, yeah, yeah, very true. <laughs> all the all the bombonieri that I'll be making. What is that? Oh, it's some. So basically, if you're foreign, um, you have this like you have to give like a gift or something to everyone that attends. It's not yeah, like right. a big gift. It's some like symbolic gesture. But very often in like Italian Italian mm. weddings, you get like 
it, it's usually something stupid like fucking almonds that are wrapped up and put in yes, some like the, glass tube. The sugar and then they just Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I they literally just, just like thing. Oh god no, it's the same thing in Italian, I'm pretty sure. It's yeah, it's something stupid like that that then just sit on, you know, a fucking cabinet for fifty years and then get thrown out. Oh yeah. But I guess yeah. it serves as a reminder that that you attended this wedding. So as a reminder that almonds are delicious. Um, <laughs> you can just wake up every day and be like, oh yes, I will always have my su- emergency supply of old-ass almonds. Yeah, indeed. Uh, yeah, the more weddings you attend, the better prepped you are for um, the apocalypse. See, like, how many almonds can one conceivably collect from weddings? And would it be possible to mm. exist simply on pilfered wedding almonds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, that's, that's an experiment that I am uh, very excited to test. Incredible. Incredible. Um, yeah, well, anything else you want to chat about? We've been going for about, I don't know, 40 minutes? Hmm. It's a classic. It's, you know, we're back into the, uh, the shorter pods. Which Obviously, you know, referring to the last episode, that was also not an hour. Um, that was, uh, again, <laughs> the last episode shall remain lost if I have anything to do with it. <laughs> actually, I'll just keep bringing it up every episode that we do from now on. I'm actually looking at the sound file as I speak. Oh, here, I'm just going to rename it. <laughs> Never, ever edit. <laughs> Never, ever. Okay, I'll write that. Never, oh, fuck, ever edit. Okay, there we go. I know what that is now. <laughs> I'm going to hide it as well. You can never find it. <laughs> just and, like and restricted it. access, password protected. This, this, see, this is like um, I'm Lukashenko, the Belarusian dictator, keeping democracy, <laughs> aka the lost episode, away from the people, aka the listeners. You, Snoxy, are whoever the, the rival, I can't remember her name. Uh, who won the election, or yeah, like, right. <laughs> or the CIA who's probably like backing her or something, um, who was trying to get said democracy, which is of course the lost episode, and provide it to the people who are the listeners. Listeners, yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> so I better keep an eye out on what happens in Belarus so I can make sure that um, I don't get a. Put yeah. this analogy <laughs> continues what, on. What is this analogy? Well, this is what happens when I don't practice or like speak to anyone for a long ass time. I'm just, I'm just mm. ranting. No, that's okay. Speaking of ranting, though, shall we mm. have a, a brief interlude about Victoria and then, yes, and yeah. then call it off? Absolutely, that sounds um, like. Yeah. Mm. So effectively, what's happened is that uh, Victorians have become everything that all the other states thought that they were. Uh, Terrible. Exactly. Um, and uh, security guards are exactly what everyone thought that they were. Horny. <laughs> Shout out to the horny security guard. Symbol key. Oh, probably, indeed. Probably, but, uh, oh, <laughs> that's all we're doing now. Um, but yeah, apparently it was, it was an absolute mess where like people were just mm. like, paying security guards to be able to leave and they were just accepting that and oh god so wild poor darren poor, poor darren? darren dan oh i was gonna say who's darren i thought you knew something <laughs> i don't know <laughs> darren um yeah poor dan shout out to daniel andrews um premier mm. of victoria um the annexed state yeah well Here's an inter- you want to hear an interesting uh, tidbit? So, I thought you'd never ask, Jordan. Technically, this is about South Australia, um, but like the area that is like restricted, like has like border patrols to stop people getting in, is like most of the southeast of Australia. Um, hmm. Southeast, yeah, southeast of Australia. Sorry, um, and most of the area takes up um, like this region that was once you know, argued to be its own separate state. So people who were living there wanted to become a separate state called Prince Land. 
um, obviously similar to Queensland with its capital mm. like um, Mount Gambier or like Hamilton or Portland or something like that. Um, yeah, sure. So then I'm just like, interesting. So there's like a different border regime. Princeland will rise again. <laughs> it can happen. And, you know, as I've, actually, as, as I've oh. said many times, I, um, I will dodge the draft of very anti-war, but I'll sign up day one mm. to put Western Australia back in its place. And I will sign up day one to make sure Princeland never, <laughs> never rises. <laughs> Oh, that's incredible. Well, this is the thing, though. On the, on the other side of that argument, if we ditch Western Australia, then we need to add another state, surely. It is true. That, it's not coming out of South Australia, though. It can come out of... Yeah, like, no fair. New England. Come out of New England in, in like, Armadale and Tamworth. That, that whole area seems very... That prime real estate, yeah. Yeah, it seems like its own kind of state. That's, you know, it's worth a shout. I think it's worth proposing. I'll, I say, um, I'll call yeah. Stephen up and um, let him know about our idea. I say we balkanize Tasmania <laughs> in nine different small <laughs> states. Oh, fuck. Can you imagine if Tasmania was multiple states? What a fucking shit show. Just Western Australia just being like, I'm going to take half the country, Tasmania, just split between three different states. <laughs> They'd probably be happier. You know, the Hobart... Mm. The Hob- Hobartians? I don't know. This is what I Alana so. talked about last, a couple of episodes. Yeah, yeah. Um, about Hobart, Launceston. How bougie it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah the rivalry. And uh, there's another town in Tasmania that I never remember. Mm-hmm. I don't remember it either. But yeah, um, I can't, I feel really sad for Victorian. So I have a lot of friends and family who, who live mm. in Victoria. Um, and like, obviously we can make jokes, but it's pretty horrific. You know, hundreds of cases oh, a day. Oh, Absolutely. Um, as of recording, like I think we hit over 400 deaths. I'm not sure if that's like fed like across all of Australia or just in Victoria, but that's a lot mm. of that's a lot of dead people. Um, and just uh, mask wearing, and it just you know what, like it must be exhausting. Like regardless of if you agree with their politics or not, of like say Daniel Andrews and um, the the chief medical officer who everyone's <laughs> in love with in Victoria, um, Brett Sutton. I have no idea. I, I feel like I've never actually seen or heard from the chief medical officer of Victoria. I don't get what all the hype is about. People like are like, oh, he's so he's so daddy. He's so hot. And I'm just like, I'm not sure. Wow. Is I this mean, like he's a- no Nicholas Spurrier, but. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> my queen just like. <laughs> oh, my God. She can do whatever she wants to be Nicholas Spurrier. Like. Wow, oh, she could give you a COVID test. Is that what you're saying, John? She can stick anything she wants in any of my holes, COVID <laughs> test or not. Like, spirit. <laughs> oh, God, I might cut that. <laughs> oh. Her hair was so perfect, though. Like, I'm just mm. entranced by her very classy hair. Mm. I like that she had only been in. Incredible. She'd only been in the job for like two months before COVID. Incredible. Yeah. Women in power, Jordan. That's what fucking happens. Yep. So shout out to Nicholas Berea, probably a listener. Uh, big Simbookie fan. Oh, for sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, keep tuning into her like live broadcast. She'll probably drop it at some point. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Stephen, Stephen, you're not allowed. You're banned from listening, mate. Sorry. Brutal. Uh, but that that cop guy, Gary something, whoever's in charge of the oh, police. Oh, Grant Stevens. Grant Stevens, that's right. Yeah, he can. He what can a legend! He's. I'm usually, you know, usually we're we're a bit strict on cops, but he's done an all right job. So he he can, he, <laughs> he can come to the cookout. He can come to the Sim Bookie <laughs> podcast. Oh, well, incredible! Who else is at our at our event? Our uh, <laughs> our Sim Bookie Con, if you will. Well, obviously, um, Lukashenko. We won't uh, be where. Yeah, yeah. Naval- Alexei Navalny. Um, I'm not sure if it's pre or post poisoning, but you know that's up to him. Obviously, Nicholas <laughs> Burria and Grant Stevens, um, Daniel Andrews. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Xi Jinping surely will make a guest appearance. Yeah, he can come. Although he apparently can... he's uh, under a bit of scrutiny by. Uh, the rest of his uh, cabinet or whatever the 
correct term is? By the by the party or the I don't I don't know mm. too much. I've been on a bit of a Facebook slash Twitter slash Insta break, which has been lovely, mm. but I have no fucking idea what's going on in the world. <laughs> I mean neither do I and I haven't taken one of those breaks, so you're probably not missing out on much. Um probably. They always say there's scrutiny. It doesn't really matter. He's he's, yeah, a, yeah. Bit, he's a bit it's a bit too far. Yeah, it's a bit it's a bit too late for that guys to be mm. a bit scrutinizing. He's in he's in charge. He's been in charge for a while. You're just gonna have to wait him out, mm. I reckon, if you want some change. Mm. Um, well, his um his term or whatever is surely ending soon. Ah, Isn't it eight, yes. eight years or is that? Yes, but I believe it was last year in 2019. Uh, the um, National People's Congress passed a law removing presidential term limits, so he could go there forever now. Ah. Very interesting. Because there was a big debate about who would succeed him because he's about the age where people sort of retire and he'd been around for about two terms now. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then he, it came out that, no, um, he's going to stick around. Probably That's because... so interesting. He's, well, he's got quite a good amount of popular support, um, mm. relatively. The CCP in general is a bit, eh, but he's quite... Because he's been very anti-corruption. Like, if you're anti-corruption mm, mm. in, like, a very corrupt country, you will usually get a pretty good support. Except for, uh, obviously, like, Alexei Navalny, who is, like, crazy. But Xi Jinping is very clever. Yeah. Um, even though he did live in a cave for, like, 10 years. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not too sure about that. But, uh, yeah, Xi Jinping will be around until the day he mm. probably drops. Or until they he, there's, like, a um, successor who comes through the CCP that yeah. is... Um, because you have a couple of different factions. You have sort of the hardliners... Um, you have like the kind of conservatives and then you sort of have um, so Xi Jinping actually comes from more of the kind of left wing um, side of the CCP which is why like yeah, under right. him, which is like why under Xi Jinping there's been like lots of anti-sweatshop laws anti-domestic violence laws, big investments in renewable energy mm. um, compared to say his predecessor Hu Jintao who was I would argue mm. more on the kind of it doesn't really work because they're all communists right but like the conservative <laughs> side which is all about like tax cuts and opening up businesses and stuff like that so yeah, it is sure. interesting to see the differences um but it just doesn't translate that well to our kind of understanding mm. of politics but yeah shout mm. out to Xi Jinping. yeah indeed it'd be interesting to see what happens there because the whole like eight year thing was kind of a big deal it was a big deal it was a very big deal mm. um, yeah it also was just another mm. sign that like to like the leaders of China are just old as fuck. That is really, really yeah. old. Um, which is not necessarily inherently a bad thing, but like mm. they've been really old since the nineties and the eighties, and it's just like the, there's a yeah. lot of there's like two new generations of of young Chinese people who are probably keen to see politics that they can at least more align themselves with, even if it is within the kind of framework of the CCP. So we'll have to see what happens. It's an interesting mm. time. Um, twenty twenty one. I'm hoping will be a bit more of a chill year, but will also be an interesting year. Well, yeah, definitely. We'll see what well, happens. We'll see if there are any, um, you know, young CCPs coming through the ranks yeah, to uh, can... make an impact. It's true. I used to follow. I used to follow it religiously, but I just don't anymore. Um, mm -hmm. But it's just hard to keep up. Anyway, we've been going for a while. Um, Anthony, we thank have. you for joining me as always season no, no, three. No, no 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 jordan thank you for joining me on uh, yeah. on this uh, on this journey you're welcome um thank you everyone for listening um indeed hope everyone is is safe and and sound and cozy mm -hmm. um indeed yeah avoid and like large amounts of um nitrous whatever it's called ferrous nitrous the stuff in lebanon and uh <laughs> <laughs> ammonium nitrate. Ammonium nitrate. Well, didn't it come out that they actually had hundreds and hundreds of kilograms, thousands of it stored in Newcastle, and then they're like, we have to move this. Oh, that wouldn't surprise me. Um, yeah. Amazing. Anyway, good chat. Well, there you Simbuki. go. Indeed. Simbuki, we'll see you in uh, four months. See you. Uh, season four. <laughs> season four. Beautiful. Okay. I need to get Craig up. Hopefully he goes on holiday again.